0: love you, Lord. Thank you so much for visiting us today. Thank you for being with our church. And by our church, I don't just mean the people in this room. Thank you for being in every living room, on every smartphone, on every laptop, on every television. We give you all the glory and the honor. And we expect, we ask, Because your word said that you'd be here if we glorified the name of Jesus, you'd show up. We expect you to show up today as we glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. 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 Hey, well, welcome to Journey Church Online. If you are with us for the very first time, I want to introduce myself. My name is JJ. And alongside my wife, Liz, we have the honor of serving Journey Church as its pastors. We are so glad that you're here. I know you can't feel the love, but we're going to try and send it to you anyway. Come on, let's put our hands together. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Before we get into the message, I just want to kind of do some housekeeping stuff. I want to let people know where we are in the process of gathering again. We get messages all the time. You guys, we handed out a survey recently they asked our church uh, the way they felt about coming back and gathering. And the majority of the responses were positive. People, I mean, 90%, they just can't wait to get back. And so I wanna answer your question. If you're asking the question, when are we going to reopen? And let me just say, if your question is, when are we going to reopen? Let me just remind you, we've never closed. Yep. <clears throat> we've never closed. <clears throat> People have been jumping into a relationship with God. <clears throat> People have been jumping on the dream team. People have been getting into small groups. This week launches small groups. If you're not in a virtual small group yet, get in one. People are joining the dream team. God's doing some pretty cool things. God's doing some pretty cool things. And so we have it. Now, when are we going to gather again in person? I would love to gather as soon as we possibly can. And it is safe. And so really quickly, we are waiting for two things before we reopen. We're waiting for the state of Florida to enter into phase two of its reopening plan that's decided by the governor at a state level. And then we're waiting at a local county level when our school, Winter Park High School, uh, is ready to open up and to allow us to enter into that building again. If they say that we won't be able to come in for the summer, we are gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure it out. I don't know where we're gonna have church, but we will have church. I don't, it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. I wanna jump right into the sermon series uh, today. We are in part four of a series we called What I Know For Sure, What I Know For Sure. And I am so pumped to share with you the word that God's given me today. I've been sitting on it for about six to seven Weeks. Uh, in week one, we preach the message called Prayer Works and we preach People Matters. And, and then we preached. what was the last week? I know the way. <laughs> I, know, I know the way. I don't even remember because this is the one. <clears throat> this is the one I've been dying to get to. I mean it. The whole series has been centered around this idea of uncertainty. I can't see you, but raise your hand if you feel like you're living in a period of uncertainty in your life. Yeah, I know I can say the same. I know my family feels the same. My neighbors feel the same. The government feels The same people feel the same way. We've been trying to tackle this issue, but this message right here, this is the one I really wanted to preach first, but instead I was like, I'm gonna do a whole series. I'm gonna call each sermon a different title, but it's really just this one right here that I've been building up for. I know I built it up a lot, but I promise, this is theater of my heart. We'll go to the scripture, probably my favorite scripture. Well, second favorite scripture, maybe favorite scripture. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. Goes like this, I'm reading from the NIV. And we know, somebody say no. No. It's what I know for sure. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Today, I have a thesis and a title, and I wanna introduce both with a personal story. Now, if you are new to our church, the story that I'm about to share with you is going to make you uncomfortable. But if you've been coming to our church for a long time, you know I keep it real, even if it's embarrassing and even if it means you're never gonna come back again. And so, so I'm gonna share a personal story with you. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, a month or so ago, my wife and I decided that we were <clears throat> done having children. We realized that, we, uh, Zane and Justice, God bless them, they're enough. <laughs> They're enough for me. They're enough for us. And, uh, and so we decided that because she's been through three C-sections, that uh, I would do what needed to be done <laughs> in order for us to no longer have children. And so without saving the details, uh, when did it happen? It happened the week that Pastor Josh preached. That's when it happened. Okay. And that's when my homeboy was preaching. All right. We say, Pastor JJ was taking a week off. Pastor JJ was recovering. Okay. (laughs) You needed your prayers. Hardcore. So anyway, so long story short, man, we, we, we wanted to find the best doctor that we could. So we, you know, we did the whole internet thing. We found the guy with the most stars. And we got in his office. As I'm walking into his office to get the procedure done, there's all these plaques. Apparently he won like best guy who does this in Orlando. (laughs) So I was like, that's the technical term. And so I went into the office and and I sit down and get to undress and and he begins to conversate with me. And and I go, I said, I said, man, how many times have you done this before? He says, man, I've done this over a thousand times. I said, wow, you must be really good then. He goes, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. You're in good hands. I go, well, great. <laughs> um, great. I'm glad. And then, and he, so he, then he said, and, and I've, I feel like I've done it for over half of Orlando, he told me. And I said, that must be awkward. Like if you're at Walmart or Home Depot and you see somebody like, do, what do you do? And he was like, I don't say anything unless they say something. And I'm like, that's cool. He's like, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. We have a church meet at Winter Park High School. It's called Journey. He goes, I live right behind Winter Park High School. I see your flags every Sunday. I know that church. He goes, I've been meaning to come. (laughs) To which I told him immediately, you're not allowed. You can't come. If I'm preaching and I see you in the audience, we're done. The sermon is over. We're calling it or we're wrapping it up. It's done, man. We're not doing that. And so I said, you just can't get to find, there are a lot of great churches in Orlando. Let me recommend to you a couple. And so in the procedure, this is where it gets a little graphic, but I won't go too graphic. He's starting to take stuff out. And then he tells me, he goes, this is with that church. And then he tells me, he goes, he goes, do you want to see it? I'm like, see what? He's like, what I cut out. And I go, people want to (laughs) know what that is? He goes, yeah, a lot of people want to know. They want to see it. I go, How many times did you do this again? He said, over a thousand. I go, so you're really good at this? He goes, yeah. I go, I don't need to know. That's what I said. (laughs) I said, because you're so good, I don't need to know. Here is my thesis. God is good. Like really good. Like over a thousand, thousand, thousand times good. And because that is my thesis, here is my title. What I know for sure is that because God is good, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. I don't need to know because you're so good. Now let me be real. The title of the message is, I don't need to know. Not, I don't want to know. If that were the title of the message, it would be disingenuous because I want to know. I want to know when the NBA is coming back. Come on, somebody. This is LeBron's year. Let's go (laughs) LBJ. I want to know. I want to know when church is going to open. I want to know where we're going to have church when it opens. Those are some of the questions that I ask might seem superficial to you. I've got a lot of deeper questions about the world. In fact, things that I would love to ask God that I really want to know. I want to know why it seems like the wicked grow old, but the good die young. I want to know. I want to know why is that Lord? Why is it that children, innocent children develop terminal diseases? I don't understand. I want to know. Maybe you've got some questions. God, I want to know. How could my dad leave me? at such a young age. I wanna know, where did he go? What was more important? How many people are gonna die when COVID-19 is all said and done? We just passed the 100,000 victims mark. How many people are gonna die? Or maybe your question is, I wonder, I wonder if the color of my skin is going to determine the longevity of my life. I got questions. And if you are one of the black, people who call Journey Church home that we love with all of our heart. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I, I would never, I will never know what it's like to be you, but I, but I feel you. you, you must have a lot of questions. You must feel a certain type of way. You must feel like, what's up God? Where are you? Are you, are you real? And if you are real, here's my feeling, are you good? Are you, are you awake? Are you in charge? I've got, I've got a feeling. And I just want to encourage not just our black community, but our community worldwide, that your feelings are valid and your feelings are legitimate. Don't, and I, I got to say that because I don't want you to delegitimize them. They're real. You, you, you deserve to feel angry. You deserve to feel confused. You deserve to feel hurt. But here is the truth. And that is that feelings are only half the truth. The other half of the truth is that the doctor, he's good. He's good. If I had made my decision just based on feeling, if I'm on that bed and let me tell you while I'm on that bed and this doctor as good as he is, he ain't so good that it didn't hurt. Let me tell you right now. It didn't, it didn't, it wasn't, wasn't so good that I was like, oh, are we done? No, I knew, I knew when we started and I knew when we were done. He wasn't that good. There was a lot of bleeding, there was hurt, there was incisions, and there is now a scar. But had I been led by my feelings, I would have jumped off before the physician was done with the process. I would have been done. I would have, I would have left. I, 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 that is true. I felt that way, but I can't let that lead my life. I, I feel the pain, but I also know, that's the other half of the truth, that the doctor, our God, is good. He's good. He's so good. And I need to tell you this because you need to know that we have an enemy and our enemy is out to convince you that God is not good. He will use what theologians call the problem of evil. And every time there is evil in the world, he will point to evil to convince you that God is not good. Most people think that they struggle with the existence of God. They don't. They struggle with the goodness of God. I talked to one person, he goes, I said, you don't believe in God? He goes, no, I mean, just, you know, and then we talked about it. And as he looked around nature, he goes, you know what, this is so beautiful. I can't deny that there's not a God. There's no way I can't prove that. But if he is God, then why? And then they go down the list. Why this? Why that? Why that? Why that? That's the thing. That's the rock that he's trying to pull out from under you. That's the cornerstone of our faith in our life. And by the way, it's not a new trick. It's the oldest trick in the book. Literally the oldest trick in the book. Genesis chapter three, verse five. This is the enemy, Satan, the devil speaking to Eve. And this is the temptation. A lot of people think that Eve was tempted with fruit. She wasn't tempted with fruit. That makes no sense. She lived in a garden with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fruit. Fruit was not the thing that she was tempted. It was what the fruit symbolized. What did the fruit symbolize? For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, Satan couldn't tempt Eve with sex. (laughs) She couldn't. She was already married to the most handsome man in the world. (laughs) Literally. But Come on. That's a good joke. Satan wasn't going to tempt Eve with drugs. As far as I know, It wasn't that type of garden, you know what I'm saying? it, it, It wasn't that type of garden, you know what I'm saying? That wasn't growing. As far as I know, that was after the fall. That was after the sin. No, here's the temptation, the universal temptation. He tempted her, and it's the oldest temptation, you and I get it, with the temptation to know. The temptation to know, to know. He pretty much made the judge Look bad. And if you can't trust the judge, here's what Satan is telling Eve, you be the judge. And it sounds like a good deal. You get to be the judge. Hey, you decide what's right and what's wrong. You gather the evidence no one else can tell you, but it's just like the devil to sell you on the good and keep you from the reality of the bad. It sounds good being a judge, but being the judge comes with the burden of the gavel. The burden of the verdict the weight and the pressure and the anxiety of having to ask the question every time something negative happens in your life. Is this gonna be all right? It's just like the devil to sell you liquor but not tell you about the hangover. It's just like him. That's what he does. You don't wanna live that life. You wanna live a life where you, where you trust and where you believe he's good. I, it's, it's, it's a peaceful life. I, I, I shared this story before my wife, I needed to ask permission. Many years ago to share this story, when we first got married, each of us brought some unique skills into our marriage. We also brought some unique weaknesses into our marriage. And so one of my weaknesses was that I was a messy person. I wasn't dirty, I took showers, I needed to be clear, I just wasn't very organized. That was not one of Liz's weaknesses or deficiencies. She was very strong in organization, very strong in cleanliness, but she did have a weakness in some area of her skills and abilities, and I don't mind saying, and she doesn't mind me saying, that that area was cooking. (laughs) The area was cooking. I'll never forget the first meal I came home to as a married man. I was so excited, looking forward to it. Her mother is an amazing cook, and I thought, this is gonna be some good stuff. (laughs) I sat down, and she made me a chicken leg. Chicken leg and rice, and as I Ate the rice. I thought, this is good. She did a good job. I bit into the chicken leg. And I heard a noise that you shouldn't hear when you bite into cooked meat. It's a little squishy. It was, it was my chicken was bleeding. Let's just leave it there. My chicken was bleeding. And I said, babe, uh, it's a little pink. It's a pink. Well, fast forward, she... Literally spent two weeks. I went on a two-week ministry trip. She spent two weeks with my mother-in-law. She came back. Liz can throw down. That was 11 years ago. She has not slowed down. My wife is such a great cook today. She's such a great cook today. And listen, because she is good, when we first got married, I would always text her on the way home, what's for dinner? If it was anything that could kill me by being raw. I was very anxious. I was very worried. I need to know what is it, what is it? I need to know, I need to know, tell me, I need to know. But once I got to the, to the point in our relationship where I knew I could trust her, where I knew that she was good, I have not asked that question since then because I know that whatever she cooks, it's gonna be good because she's good. Now, now that tests me a little bit because she's been testing us a little bit because now she's getting a little creative. <laughs> Now she's getting bold, you know, she's getting a little creative. Now she's cooking Indian food and Thai food (laughs) and Greek food and she's getting a little creative. And sometimes it smells funny. But even though it smells funny, because I trust her, because I know that she's good, I don't allow its smell to get me to doubt her goodness. Maybe you're in a situation and it smells funny. Maybe you're watching things on the news and it, it smells funny. Don't let what you smell convince you that the chef has yeah. left the kitchen. He's still in there. He's still good. Maybe it, maybe it looks bad. Maybe it looks bad. Sometimes she puts these things on there. I'm like, I don't even know what the name of that vegetable is. You know? It does not look appetizing to me. Here's what God told me to tell you. Don't judge the recipe by the ingredient. Don't judge the recipe by the ingredient. That thing that happened to you, it was bad. It should have never happened. But when God throws it in with some salt, when God throws it in with some adobo, when God throws it in with some Cajun spices, when God throws it in with some mayonnaise, when God throws it with some butter, it's good. He's a great chef. He can put it together. So here is my prayer for you today. Here's what I want to do very quickly. I want to replace the need to know in your life with the only thing you need to know, God is good. That's all I wanna do in your life today. I'm preaching to myself today. I wanna tell you, preaching to myself, I hope I'm preaching to you. I wanna say it again, my goal, I wanna replace the need to know that you have with the only thing you need to know. God is good. If you're taking notes, here's my first point. God is good and that is a fact. God is good, and that is a fact. Somebody say fact. Fact. Type it in the chat box. God is good, and that's a fact. Just type in, that's a fact. Now, before I prove that it's a fact, let me say that it wasn't even a question for Adam and Eve until the devil asked the question. It wouldn't even, they they didn't even question God's goodness. You know why they didn't question God's goodness? Because all they had to do was look around. All they had to do, Adam just had to go look at Eve. <laughs> you're a good, good father, yeah. And Eve, look at Adam, mm, God, you're good. Look at the garden with all of its beauty, right? Look at the animals and all of their splendor and majesty, the fish and the dolphins coming out of the water. It's getting vivid right now. And, and look, and listen, if you doubt God's goodness, Let me tell you, just look, it's not a sunrise. It's evidence of his goodness. It's not a sunset. It's evidence of his goodness. That's not your son. He's evidence of his goodness. That's not your spouse. That's evidence of his goodness. Do this with me, on three, one, two, three. That's not a breath. That is evidence of his goodness. If you doubt it, just look around. Here's what the Bible says. Psalms 145 5 through seven. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wondrous works. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. Pretty much the psalmist is saying, look around. How could you deny his goodness? And I can hear the haters through the screen. You go, yeah, Pastor, but they lived in Eden. <laughs> I live in Orlando. And I don't know if you know, Orlando's not Eden. I live in America and America's not Eden, which my question to you will be, how do you know that you don't live in Eden? Because, catch this, because Adam and Eve didn't know that they were in Eden either wow. until they left it. <laughs> so they left it they woke up they were in eden they were home so so every it was just everyday life you can't spend it wasn't special they were just like oh that's that's a talking that's a that's a talking rhino that's just that's not special that's bob you know that's just that's just bob the rhino you know robert but bob for short robert the rhino anyway um god it's good preaching um so good <laughs> so they didn't know until they left it. But then when they couldn't get back to it, when it was taken from them, if this quarantine has taught you anything, I pray that what, has taken, what was taken away from you would open your eyes to see the goodness of what God's given you, the goodness. There's a friend who goes to our church. His name is Frank Rosado. He has a wife, her, his, her name is Rebecca. Right now, Rebecca's fighting cancer. She spent 32 days in a hospital getting chemotherapy and getting uh, uh, some type of transfusion, 32 days. And she couldn't leave the hospital and nobody could come in because of the COVID fears because her, her immune system. For 32 days, she finally gets released, goes home. She's still fighting cancer, just at home now. 32 days, I call up Frank because he's in my small group, getting a small group. I call up Frank. I say, hey man, Rebecca's home. How are you feeling? You know what his first words to me on the phone were? He said, God is good. Are you kidding me? Your wife's fighting for her life? Yeah, but, but God is good. Why? Because she was taken away for 31 days, 32 days. And now that I got her back, he said, Pastor, there was one day where she sat on the couch, I sat on the chair. We stared at each other and just cried. How much I love her. Let what you love get taken away. And you would realize you were in Eden all along. You weren't in it all along, you just didn't know it. God is good, that is a fact. Not just it's a fact, God is good and that is my filter. That's point number two, write that down. God is good and that is my filter. I always like to imagine the naysayers when I preach, like if I'm saying something and they're trying to combat me and here's what I hear the naysayer on this point is, he goes, yeah, pastor, but you're real selective with your facts. If you're going to prove God's goodness by every good thing that happens around you, What does the naysayer say? Then I can prove God's badness by all of the bad things that happen around me. It's a legitimate argument. If I'm gonna sit here and point to sunset and sunrise and be like, God's good, you should be able to sit here and point to George Floyd and, and point to miscarriages and point to the couple at our church that waited 10 years to get pregnant, 10 years only to have a miscarriage after 10 years of wait. And you should be able to look at that and you go, well, then God's bad. If we're just basing it on the facts, then the facts are what the facts are. Yeah, but here's what you don't realize. The facts are only half the story. Here's what's more important than the facts, the filter. There's an old poem by Dale Carnegie. He said, two men looked out from prison bars. One saw the mud, the other, the stars. What's your filter? For everybody who thinks it's all about the facts, this, there could not be a better year to denounce that point. Why? Because we're in an election year. And I don't know if you watch CNN, I don't know if you watch Fox News, but they can take the same facts. They can take the same facts, pass them through a different filter. One of them tell you to vote for one guy and the other one to tell you to vote for another guy. 100,000 people are are dead from COVID. Depending on what news station you watch, one news station will say, could have been a million. The other news station will say, should have been 10,000. Shouldn't even been 100,000. Are you catching what I'm saying? We think that the facts are what matters most, but in life we don't do that. We're not that high and mighty. We're not that unbiased. We're human. We take every fact and before we process it, we always pass it through a filter. Yeah. So, so since we all got the same facts, let me ask you the question. What's your filter? What's your filter? It's what the Bible says. James chapter one, verse two through four. My brothers and sisters, think of the various tests you encounter as occasions for joy. After all, you know, somebody say, I know. It's what I know for sure. You know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So let this endurance complete its work so that you may be fully mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. James is saying, guys, you know, you know, you got to take every bad thing and you got to filter it through purpose because it's not there to kill you. It's there to build you up. It's there to make you whole. It's so that you are not lacking anything. This is a water filter right here. I don't know if you have these. This is the one straight from my house. And now I have a cup of water here. Dalila, will you help me out with this illustration? <laughs> Dalila, here is this cup of water. Go ahead and hold that cup of water. I'm gonna pour me a cup of water. Now, Dalila, this water comes from the same place. <laughs> this water, the water you're holding and the water I'm holding, came from that sink right over there. Both of these waters came from the sink. Let us drink the cup, (laughs) the water, just a sip, just a sip. It's not great, it's not great. No, that's all you need to do. Thank you, (laughs) Dalila. I promise there was a point, I wasn't just torturing you. Here's my point. We both got water from the same source and the water's not great. The water's got things in it. My life's not different than the leela's life. I've got my trials, she's got her trials. I've, I've shared in my suffering. She shared in her suffering. Good and bad comes to us all. We're all drinking out the same faucet. Don't think that happy people have good lives and sad people have bad lives. Good and bad happens to people. How we feel, how we're happy, what we're ever angry, that is our filter. We both drink the same. Someone would say, no, y'all drank different water. You drank filtered water, she drank unfiltered water. We drank the same water. The only difference is that before I drank the water, I filtered the water. Here's what the scientific term is, to catch the contaminants and pollutants. Are you seeing it? We both went through a similar experience but I didn't let my experience contaminate me. I didn't let my experience pollute me. I'm not gonna let what happened to me contaminate my character. I'm not gonna let what happened to me pollute my peace. I'ma filter it. I'm not being ignorant, I'm being intentional. You need to be intentional with what's happening in your life. Pass it through a filter before you let what's happening on the outside get inside. Don't let it get inside. Keep hate at bay, keep prejudice at bay. Don't let it, keep the bias at bay, keep the bitterness at bay. We're all going through it in some way, shape or form, but I'm not gonna let it get on the inside of me. I'm gonna have to filter it. God is good, someone say God is good. Type in the chat box, God is good. And that is my focus. And that is my focus. You guys can take it, and that is my focus. Believe the cups, you can empty the cups and give me back the cups. (laughs) Philippians 4.8, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, meditate on these things. You know what Paul says? I'm not just going to filter out the bad, I'm gonna focus on the good. Not just gonna filter out the bad, I'm going to focus on the good. Have you ever bought a car? And then after you bought that car, on your way home from the dealership, you see your car 10 or 20 times. That happened to me when I bought my Ford Fusion on the way here. I saw like eight Ford Fusions on the way here. Are there really more Ford Fusions in the world? No. You know why I'm seeing it? Scientists call it the frequency illusion. The frequency illusion. Here's all that means. Here's all that means. Whatever you're aware of, you will see more of. Which is why you gotta go to church because you know what my job is when I get in front of this word? My job is to make you aware of God's goodness, aware of the hope that you have, aware of the purpose that you have, aware of the goodness, why? So that when you get out into the world, you can see more of it. I gotta make you aware of the goodness. This is why the Bible is good. This is why church is good. And this is why your cell phone is bad. (laughs) Because when you get on your social media feed, guess what you're being made aware of? Everything you don't have. And then when you're made aware of everything you don't have, guess what you see when you go out into the world? Everything you don't have. This is why the news is no good for you all the time. Why? Because the news only makes money if you stay watching. And the only way to keep you watching is to get you scared. And so they're gonna show every bad, every terrible, every horrible thing that happened all over the world. And when you are made aware of what's bad in the world, guess what you see in the world? When you go out in the world, all you see is the bad. When you start to focus on the good, when you get into your, be aware of what you're aware of. Before you leave the house in the morning, be self-aware. What am I I meditating on? What am I thinking about? When you get up and you're about to leave the door, just meditate on the goodness of God. As you're aware of his goodness, I promise you, you come out your house, you'll be like, ooh, what a beautiful day. It'll start raining like it is right now. And you'll go, ooh, you know, my grass was getting a little bit brown. Come on, it rains on one man, he complains. It rains on another man and he points to his lawn. Are you see what I'm saying? What are you going to focus on? Because whatever you're made aware of, you'll see. Point number four, God is good and that is my freedom. God is good and that is my freedom. Romans chapter eight, verse 37 through 39. No, in all these things, no, sorry. (laughs) Romans chapter 25, verse one through two and seven. It goes like this. Lord, I put my life in your hands. I trust in you, my God, and I will not be disappointed. Look at verse seven, because you are good. Uh, when you look for it, you see it all over the scriptures. You are good, Lord. Liz and I, we're in the car, driving home from checking out these venues. We're starting to look at places to meet just in case the school won't let us back in. And I was going through over with her, all the plans. It's like, we might go here. We might go here. We might do this. We might do that. We might stay online. We might come back here. We might join with this church's building because they're open. They got lights and stuff. We can do something nice there. And as I laid out all of the many options and possibilities, she, she could tell I was stressed. And then, but I could tell she wasn't stressed at all. And she looked at me with a smile and a giggle. <laughs> she said, man, I'm glad I'm not you. <laughs> she said, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. I'm glad you're the leader of the church and the leader of our home. We, we try and operate our home as close as we can to the biblical model that God gives us in scripture. And when God talks about marriage, he talks about how the husband is supposed to be the leader and the wife is supposed to be submissive. And that was really hard for Liz when we were first getting started, because my wife is the strongest, strong-minded person you'll ever meet in your life. But she said it clicked for her one day when she realized that there was freedom in submission. That there was freedom in, okay, then I'm just gonna trust you and you make the right decision. To which as the husband, I'm grateful, but then I started to get nervous until I realized then I got a husband too. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. And if the husband is the leader and he has to carry the weight, then guess what? Why am I carrying something that I'm not supposed to carry? If this is your church and your body, you carry it. Are you catching this? There's freedom. There's freedom. Hey. whatever you are uncertain about today, let me encourage you. There's freedom. Oh, there's freedom. There's freedom. He carries that weight. He carries that burden. I submit to you, Jesus, whatever your plan is for my life in our church, there's freedom. And finally, God is good and that is my foundation. God is good and that is my foundation. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Did you catch that? He said, I'm convinced. He said, I know for what? For sure. I know for sure neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nothing in all of creation, whatever it is, I don't need to know because what I know, that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me translate that for you today. Here's what Paul is saying. I know for sure that God is good. And because I know for sure that God is good, I don't need to know anything else. There's nothing that can happen to me in life that can convince me that he's bad. Nothing. Because he's my foundation back when they would build and construct in New Testament times, there was a cornerstone and a a storm could come and the house would shake, but there was one part of that house you knew was not gonna shake that would cause the house to still stand and it was the cornerstone. It was the foundation you laid the house on. For your Christian life and for your life in general, hear me, when life gets crazy, the thing that keeps you standing, that keeps you building again is this truth, God is good. I got these cups here. I love what Paul is saying. Paul is saying neither death nor life. If I survive it, he's good. If I die, if my spouse passes away, if someone I love leaves this earth, it comes tumbling down. But even when it comes tumbling down, God is good. So I'm gonna build again. God is good. I believe it. He said, God is good. Neither angels nor demons can convince me of that. If this is a test from God, I'm good. If it's a trial, if it's false, it just proves my illustration. God is good even if I can't get my illustration work. If it's the devil, I'm still good. Neither present nor future. God, God's still good. I love you says, there's no power, there's no height. When things are good, at the height, God is good. When he says depth, he's going, but at my worst, God is still good. You know why God is still good when everything comes crashing down? Because my life is not built. The the goodness of God, the goodness of God is not built on what happens to me. It'll make sense in a second. The goodness of God is not built on what happens to me. What happens to me is built on God's goodness. This is the foundation. So when life comes crumbling down, because I know that God is good, all I got to do is rebuild on that foundation, no matter what happens. But if this comes tumbling down, then I can't. Then it's over. I want to speak to two people today. I want to speak to somebody that your life looks a lot like those paper cups. Something happened this week. Something's happened during this past couple of months you're in a season and life is just crumbling i don't want to speak to that right now i want to speak to this what what is your foundation what do you know for sure because you used to believe that god is good but now the enemy is using the fallen cups to convince you that there's a faulty foundation it's not faulty i want to restore your faith in the goodness of god today but i can't do it for you you got to take that leap I wanna pray for you right now. If you're a Christian and you were thinking about walking away from this whole thing, because if God was good, then why? If God was good, then how come? If God was good, then you tell that to me. Explain that to me And your very faith. This is the moment. I've tried my best to prove it to you. He's good. Set it up. Build your house on that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you right now, this is a prayer for my believers. Player, for those people who are listening that you would call yourself a Christian. Your faith is being rocked by the trials we're seeing today. I get it. Some of the stuff just doesn't make sense. But hear me. What I know, what I know, what I know, what I know for sure, and nothing will convince me otherwise, is that my God, he's good, and you can build your house on that truth. Let's pray. If that's you right now, I pray restoration of faith. Father, you see every man, woman, teenager, young adult, every senior citizen watching this feed today. God, you're good. And they forgot it because the enemy made it a question. We eliminate that question in the name of Jesus right now. We declare that the word of God, that your light would shine on them, that your presence fill that room, that they might recognize your goodness. Be reminded and hold fast to who you are come on build your house on the rock once again build your house on the rock once again build your house on the rock keep your head bowed, your eyes closed i want to talk to anybody who you've never made a decision to follow jesus or it's been a long time since you've made that decision and it doesn't feel real anymore we can make it real today tonight whenever you're watching this we can make it real build your house on the rock I know everything else is shaky. Here's one thing you know for sure. God is God. God. and I don't need to know. I know you got questions, hear me, you don't need to know. When you know that, you don't need to know. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand right there at home and identify, even if there's people in that room, it's okay, they'll pray for you. Raise your hand and identify, I need you, Jesus, in my life. You're good, I'm not, and I need you. On the count of three, if that's you, one, two. All over the internet, all over the cell phones and screens, if that's you, when I say three, raise your hand. One, two, three, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you more and more. Come on, if you raise your hand, I see it. Let's pray. Pray this prayer with me. Everybody in the studio, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, you're good, but my situation isn't. Dear Jesus, you're good, but I am not. So today, I build my life on your goodness. Live inside my heart. Forgive me of my past. I submit my life to you. In your name we pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.